Proverbs 22, verse 6. We read to our children, and I'll be truthful with you, Shepherd is our oldest. I read to him more than I do the other ones. I, I, I'm just full out there. And I would listen to the books that we would read to him, and some of them were really good and awesome, and others were very strange to me. And I can remember the first time that I read through one book in particular as I considered the lyrics. Because the, the book is really, for children, it has this pattern. It almost has this sing-songiness to it. And I'm going to let you guys participate with me this morning. Uh, so it's almost a responsive reading from a book called I'll Love You Forever. You may or may not have heard of this. It's about a woman who has a baby. And she loves that baby. Mama's in the room. We're going to raise your hand. Let me know you love them, right? All right, good. So I'm going to read this, and then I've got, I'm going to have the lyrics on the screen for you to read. A mother held her newborn baby and very slowly rocked him back and forth, back and forth, and back and forth. And while she rocked him, she sang, I'll love you forever, I'll like you for always, as long as I'm living, my baby, you'll be. I'm going to need you to be louder the next time. All right, so we're going to keep moving, keep moving. That baby grew, he grew and he grew and he grew, he grew until he was two years old, and he ran all around the house. Moms are saying amen all over the room. He pulled all the books off the shelves. He pulled all the food out of the refrigerator. And he took his mother's watch and flushed it down the toilet. Sometimes his mother would say, this kid is driving me crazy. Hypothetical. But at nighttime, when the two-year-old was quiet, she opened the door to his room, crawled across the floor, and she looked up over the side of his bed... And if he was really asleep, she picked him up and she rocked him back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. And while she rocked him, she sang, I'll love you forever, I'll like you for always, as long as I'm living, my baby you'll be. Okay, we're all with this so far. Until we turn the page. That little boy grew. He grew and he grew and he grew. He grew until he was nine years old and he never wanted to come in for dinner. He never wanted to take a bath. And when grandma visited, he always said bad words. Should have proved this better. Sometimes his mother wanted to sell him to the zoo. But at nighttime when he was asleep, the mother quietly opened the door to his room and she crawled across the floor. And she looked up over the side of the bed. Now, hold up. How many of you remember having sleepovers when you were 9 or 10 years old? Anybody ever do that? Do you... Imagine you're in the room with said friend. And you're still awake because you snuck your iPad in even though you weren't supposed to. And you look over and you see your friend's mother army crawling across the floor to pick up your little friend and put him in a rocking chair. 
But at nighttime, when he was asleep, she opened the door to his room, crawled across the floor, looked up over the side of the bed, and if he was really asleep, she picked up that nine-year-old boy, rocked him back and forth, back and forth, and while she rocked him, she sang, and we'll all sing, I'll love you forever, I'll like you for always, as long as I'm living, my baby, you'll be. The boy grew. He grew and he grew and he grew and he grew until he was a teenager. He had strange friends and he wore strange clothes and he listened to strange music and sometimes the mother felt like she was in the zoo. But at nighttime, when the teenager was asleep, the mother opened the door to his room, crawled across the floor, looked up over the side of the... This is about to start causing back problems for this lady. If he was really asleep, she picked up that great big boy and she rocked him back and forth, back and forth. And while she rocked him, she sang, well, we'll all sing, I'll love you forever, I'll like you for always, as long as I'm living, my baby, you'll be. That teenager group. He grew and he grew and he grew. He grew until he was a grown-up man. He left home. Good idea. <laughs> and he got a house across town. But sometimes, on dark nights, the mother got into her car. Why does she still have a license? That's the question. And she drove across town. If all of the lights in her son's house were out, we are reading this to our children, people. <laughs> she opened his bedroom window, crawled across the floor, and looked up over the side of the bed. Side note, wives, just raise your hand, wives. What are you thinking if this is happening in your home? If that great big man was really asleep, she picked him up and rocked him back and forth. This is a strong, strong woman. Back and forth. And while she rocked him, she sang and we'll all sing, I'll love you forever. I'll like you for always. As long as I'm living, my baby, you'll be. So that's love. Like that, it's weird, but it, every time I've ever read this to a group of people, I have had unique looks, and, and I've had these difficult conversations when I walk out, that's why I'm leaving early today, and, and those conversations, but you don't know how I love my baby, so this is, these are the things that you hear. So, so here's the question for us, oh, we, as those who claim to follow Jesus, kind of grasp this concept of, okay, we're going to definitely care for our children. And the Bible actually gives direction to us caring for our children. So let's do that in the best way possible. And the Bible even gives us verses that we can misunderstand if not careful. That would let us know if we do this, then definitely this is what's going to happen. And one of those is today's verse. We've been in a series called Straight Out of Context. It's about misunderstood Bible passages. And today's is Proverbs 22.6. And it has lots of truth for us. General truth. So let's just see what happens. Proverbs 22 verse 6. The ESV reads this. Train up a child in the way that he should go. 
Even when he is old, he will not depart from it. The New International Version reads this, Start children off on the way that they should go. And even when they are old, they will not turn from it. New Living reads this, Direct your children on the right path, and when they are older, they won't leave it. New American Standard Version reads this, Train up a child in the way he should go. Even when he is old, he will not depart from it. King James, the one that's most popular, most quoted, train up a child in the way that he should go, and when he is old, he will not depart from it. Very similar every time. The message reads like this. Point your kids in the right direction, and when they're old, they won't be lost. So if we read this verse... It seems to be telling us, as long as we are coming alongside, that nothing's going to go wrong with our little ones. But we don't have to look far or have many conversations to know people who love their children, encourage their children, poured into their children prayed over their children, cared for their children, took time to invest in their children, and watched that child go astray. So did they mess up? To understand what's being said, we've got to understand what a proverb is. This is a proverb, if you're a note taker, not, not a promise. The Bible's full of promises. It really has one promise for us, and he has a name, it's Jesus. But this is a proverb, not a promise. So we have to understand what the proverb is, because if we're not careful, we can miss what's being said and why it's being said. There are multiple Bible genres. There is the narrative form of the Bible. We, we see that in the Old and New Testament. We see that as Moses writes to us in the first five books. We see that in the Gospels. We see another form called the parables within those narratives with Jesus. We also have the poetry of the Bible. We see that in Song of Solomon. We also see that in the Psalms. We have the apocalyptic literature, which is the end time stuff that I mentioned earlier that Jared's going to do a sermon series on. Left behind. You've been left behind. So, Jared's going to do... So, apocalyptic literature is stuff like the book of Daniel and the book of Revelation. And there are numerous other types of literature in the Bible. What we have in the Proverbs is called wisdom literature. Wisdom literature of the Bible contains wise sayings, poetry, and teachings that give guidelines for people to follow. Give us general direction. So the book of Proverbs is a collection of pithy, wise sayings that harbor very general truths. So there is some general truth in Proverbs 22 as to what does not depart from your child if you train them up in the way that they should go. They are short in order to be memorable. And these are handed down from generation to generation. We have proverbial sayings in our own culture. An apple a day does what? But how many of us eat an apple every day and the doctor still needs to talk to us about the pizza that we eat? 
purpose of the book of Proverbs is given in the first chapter. So if you're a Bible flipper, turn to Proverbs chapter uh, in, in Proverbs 1. Let me read this over us. The Proverbs of Solomon, son of David, the king of Israel. To know wisdom and instruction, to understand words of insight, to receive instruction in wise dealings, in righteousness, justice, and equity, to give prudence to the simple, knowledge and direction to the youth. Let the wise hear and increase in learning. And the one who understands obtain guidance. To understand a proverb and a saying, the words of the wise and their riddles. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Fools despise wisdom and instruction. Hear, my son, your father's instruction, and forsake not your mother's teaching. For they are a graceful garland for your head and penance for your neck. Proverbs are a pro- they, These are short, pithy, general sayings for us. They don't necessarily mean that if we do this, then we have done our part and God will do His part because every part of this is God's part. We also see this. The Proverbs are a guide to grace. They are not a guarantee. They are a guide to grace, not a guarantee. We... we, can't argue though that the Bible does give direction for how we are to raise our children. We can't walk away from them. We can't leave them to their own devices because their devices are screens in 2018 and they are captivating. We can't just let our kids do whatever they want. They, they do need direction. And God seems to be giving us direction throughout the scriptures. Deuteronomy is probably the best place that we see that. It's the Shema. And the Shema is used for the Jewish people to give direction to the family. It's actually affirmed by Jesus in the Gospels when they keep asking Him, Hey, what's the greatest commandment? Jesus, we want to know what the greatest commandment is. Could you just tell us, if we're going to have one thing that ties those 613 things together, what would you say that that thing is? And Jesus quotes from the Shema where He says, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. And when we read that and we hear that from Jesus, it is directing us to this very simple scriptural truth that lots of us miss. God is the Lord of our lives. We use a phrase, we say all the time that we're going to make God the Lord of our lives. You tell people that they should make Jesus Lord of their lives. You don't make Jesus Lord no more than you make water wet. That's who He is. But Jesus uses this to set up what He's going to say. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is, is one. Everything lives and moves and has its being because of Him. So because the Lord is one, and we're going to hold Him up, here's how you're going to think about God. You shall love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all of your soul, with all of your might. That's a good thing for us to be teaching our children. And these words that I command you today, they shall be on your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your children. Teach them in this way, so that when they do these things, this is what rises up in them. Teach them diligently to your children. And you shall talk of them when you sit in your house... So, we should be having conversations about the Lord. And when you walk by the way, 
When you lie down, and when you get up, you shall bind them as a sign on your hands. And they shall be as frontlets between your eyes. The frontlet in the original language, it's a tassel of sorts. And the Jewish people would tie this tassel to their wrist or around their head as a reminder. And it was a reminder of this. The general word for this frontlet, it breaks down to this, wherever you go, I'm there. So God is evidently a proponent of you and I leaning in to our children in such a way where when they do whatever they happen to do, they're thinking through this, wherever I go, he's there. Wherever I go, he's there. But if we take any of these as a guarantee, it's damning. They're hard things to hear. But let's think about the flip side of it. Of those people that we know and love who care for their children that we also know and love. And no matter what those people, moms and dads, happen to do, their kids are astray. And their hearts are broken and their hearts hurt. The Bible's about the grace of God shown to us in Jesus. And and honestly, we walk alongside of our families in a way to be consistent demonstrations of that grace. So I've shared a little bit about my own life. My mom passed away when I was 16. My, My dad passed away when I was 23. But from 16 and even before then, my mom was sick with cancer. I was raised really by my grandmother and um so she takes care of me and she takes care of my brother who was two years younger. And if you know anything about having a brother who is two years younger than you, that means that this little old lady dealt with lots of punches. Not to her, because she would punch back and she was rough. And she was kind of old school where she could hit you with whatever she wanted. <laughs> like hairspray or, or curling iron, waffle presses. It didn't matter. <laughs> Tie you up with a moo-moo. It did not matter to her. But in the midst of this, I'm 16, my brother's 14, he begins to struggle with drugs and alcohol. And not in the uh, dabble way, in the tanking way. In the... We went through lots of situations with rehab way. And I can remember sitting in the kitchen with her, because that's where I like to sit the most. And we would have conversations. And these are the things that this little lady, who, if anyone represented a picture of how to be prayed for and how to pray for others, it was her. These were the phrases that I heard from her over and over. She always regretted not doing something. And she could never really identify what. If I had just done this, if I would have just said this, and then she would blame his friends because those are the easiest people to blame. But he was trained up in the way he should go. He was given direction from her, no different than the direction that I was given. What are these Proverbs really saying to us? 
It's about what she modeled and what I'm sure that many of you model with your prodigal children. And I'll be real, there are probably some prodigal children here today because you just kind of show up on Easter and Mother's Day and we're glad you're here. This proverb is about a young man going his own way and those who God has given him not walking away. We don't walk away. Train up a child in the way he should go. Training instills something there. So let's just take a few of the words in this pithy general saying. Training instills something. So we, as those who lead and guide and care for, are to instill to the best of our ability by God's grace concepts in our children that will stay with them even when they don't want them to be there. I, I did a basketball tournament last summer. I know that's hard to believe. They didn't use me as the ball. But I was playing in a basketball tournament and my team was made up of this worship leader and, and her husband who was there. And his name is Andy Phillips. There was a point in his life where he played professional baseball for the New York Yankees. You may have heard of them. He also played in Japan. You didn't hear about that team. But uh, when I would spend my time with Andy, we're in this tournament and we lost because that's what happens when I'm on your basketball team. And at the end of the tournament, we go back and we're in this lodge and the person who's hosting us offers us little Debbies. Andy is a professional athlete. His whole life has been dedicated to playing professional sports. And he, because of his training about nutrition and about what you eat and about how his body like subconsciously responds to energetic activity says I could not even think about a little Debbie right now and I looked at him me who has not been trained to play any professional sport whatsoever me who has not had nutritional direction from anyone me who follows Twitter and hopes it tells me it's okay to eat pizza every day and Andy, when he says this, I looked at him and said, that's funny you would say that, professional baseball player. Because when that kid crossed me over on the basketball court, all I was thinking about was a fudge round. That's what was on my mind. Training instills something in us. So, definitely, as parents, as those who would guide and lead and care for, the general truth, train your children. There's nothing wrong. So, what, do, what resources can we offer you for that? There are numerous things that, that we as a church can give you, can supply you with for that. One of the primary things that we, can, we would tell you to be in a life group where you can have conversations with other people about what they've been through, what they're going through, or maybe you can set someone up for what they're going to go through. Life on life, ministry based, relationships based on ministry, that matters. We can also uh, give you direction as to things that you can read. And those are always helpful. Authors that are very beneficial to us. Authors who are not. Can direct you towards apps that you can use. So if you have any questions about any of this, feel free to get in touch with us. And we'll help you with that idea of training. But we, So we got the word training down. Training is going to shape the way that we see things. Train up a child. 
Now the problem with that is the Bible actually, the, the word, it starts with an end here. It doesn't actually say train up a child. It says train up an adolescent. Train up an adolescent in the way they should go. Now this doesn't say you don't train those babies. Make them memorize the Bible. The Bible will help them. It will help them so that when they begin to go, they got something to go with. But this concept that Solomon is talking to us about is your person that you are training will eventually come to a place where what they are going through, they're going to go their own way and be independent. So make sure you've prepared them for independence and that you are there in case they need to fall back on you. Train them up in the way they should go. Don't walk away. Train up an adolescent in the way that they go. And, but we've got this idea, whenever we read Bible verses and we use the word child, we always go to those oddly shaped precious moments. Those little action figures. Porcelain. They're action figures in my house because I've got three boys. We always think of children, but this is really talking to us about how we deal with, with teens. How we deal with, with the preteen, how we've set them up for when independence sets in. So that they're going their own way and they know we're not walking away. Beneficial for children. But this general truth is about when the adolescent begins to seek their own way. There's another word in that passage. We don't have to break down what it means because it shouldn't be there. The word should is not in the original language. It's been added to every translation because it makes sense to us in English. However, in the Hebrew, that word's not there. It's not even a concept for them. So this passage literally reads, train, we would say, a child in the way he goes. Or train a child in his way. But the best understanding of this is train a teenager in his way. Be there. It's the opposite. It's us giving direction. Training, consistent presence. It's the opposite of the popular American proverb to go with your gut. Y'all, our guts are really dumb. Don't ever tell anyone to go with their gut. Your gut gets you in bad spots all the time. Go with what has been training us. Dedicate a youth, an adolescent, according to the dictates of his way. Set them up so that as they live, all that you've taught, that is consistently in their ear. For all of you mamas and all of you daddies who've poured over your kids, can I just encourage you? If your kid's living the prodigal life and you know if they are or if they're not, those true things you said, those true things you prayed, the, the, 
the things that you thought through as you sought to show them Jesus, those sit with you. And as long as they breathe, there's hope. Dedicated youth according to the dictates of his way. So what am I supposed to do with all of these things? Well, if you're a note taker, feel free to write this down. We should probably wage war. Not just in your child, but in every person born. There is this desire to not please the Lord. I know you think your baby's sweet, but in every one of us, we do not want to please God. We are blind to that idea. We are dead to that idea. We are far from that idea. So we, as people who are training up those who God has given us in the way that they go, that we continue to walk with them, it means that we do wage war. Well, how do we do that? We, we're persistently present. doesn't mean that we nag or, or beat down or bother. But it means that the truths that we as followers of Jesus sought to show and make and put in them, we see those. That we continue to show grace because Jesus has been gracious to us. And in our weakness, we show that it is Jesus who gives us strength. We can also do this. These are things that God has given for us to, to wage war. We're to continue to pray because we weren't perfect. And neither are they. Begging God to stir in their hearts. And finally, we, we can correct. Because we know we can't convert. You can hold your kid's hand and do devotions with them every night and consistently direct them towards Jesus. And in directing them towards Jesus, not this ethereal Jesus that just looks like Bradley Cooper, but the idea of the Jesus of the Bible crucified and resurrected so that we can have a relationship with God. You continually direct them to Jesus. You show them Jesus. You... you demonstrate Jesus. You live out Jesus. But there will never be a point in that where you make them a Christian. God draws and works and as God draws and works He softens hard hearts. Now the things you can do you can drag them into my office and try and make them pray a prayer with me. Or if you go in some other church context, you can, you can run them up the aisle so they see the pastor in the suit and tie and he can talk to them. But their conversion ultimately comes down to this. And God can use both of those things. So don't hear me not say that. Which is bad grammar, but what I meant. You cannot convert the heart of someone who is far from Jesus. Jesus does that. But in all of your strength, with all of your power, you usher them towards Him. 
We don't usher them towards goodness. We usher them towards grace shown to us in God through Jesus. But there will be times where they've been trained, where they've been taught, where they know all the right answers, where they can quote the entire Old Testament, where they think that they're good and they're still wicked because their hearts haven't been converted. All they've been is course corrected. One of those young men came to Jesus in Mark chapter 10. It's one of my favorite texts. He's a rich young ruler. And when he walks up to Jesus, he says, Good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? So he knows something's missing. Oh, tell me why you call me good, Jesus says. No one is good except God alone. You know the commandments. Don't murder. Do not commit adultery. Do not steal. Do not bear false witness. Do not defraud. Honor your father and mother. And this young man who'd been corrected his entire life, directed, shown the proper way, says to him, Hey Jesus, teacher, I've done all of these since my youth. Jesus looked at him and he loved him. You like one thing. Sell all that you have and give to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven. This isn't about the man's stuff. It's about Jesus' seat. And in the heart of this man who was unconverted, his stuff sat there. And Jesus says, the only thing that can have that is me. So if you're the mama or the daddy of someone who has been trained up, brought up, Directed, corrected, corrected some more and course corrected again. Yet you look at your child and you see that they are far from God and far from the things that you've taught them. Hold on to these things. The true things that you poured in, they matter. And the hope that they have is in Jesus to use all that you've done but more importantly, all that he's done to bring them to himself. So our hope is in Jesus doing what only Jesus can do. That's every baby in the room. Every parent, every child. That's every one of us. Our hope is that Jesus will do what only Jesus can do. I'm going to pray over us this morning. Jesus, we thank you for your word and for the truth that we find in it. Lord, we thank you for mamas and daddies. Thank you for people who've chosen to stir and steer their children towards you. We thank you even now for this people in this room who were adolescents, who were trying to find their way. God, I pray that all that we have instilled in them as a church, what their moms and dads have instilled in them, God, that you will use that to continue to Cause them to cling to you as they go. Lord, help us to see the freedom that you offer 
in the fact that these things that you do, you're the only one that can do them. So for every mom or dad who sits in this room feeling guilty and overwhelmed by the sins of their children, God, I pray that you would just wait, take that pressure away. children who are far from you whether they are a believer and distant from you and creating barriers or if they're not a believer God I pray that you will use these words from these passages to soften their heart Lord we thank you for what you do for us and how you do it we thank you for how you love us so as we sing today I pray that this will be a celebration of the freedom that you give. We ask all this in your powerful name. If you need me, I'll be at the back of the room.